0: Welcome to Fusion Church's Sermon of the Week. Fusion Church is located in Wakanda, Illinois. We exist to complete and multiply people who passionately follow Christ. For more information, visit www.fusionchurch.com. Let's dive into this week's sermon. So today, we're going to end this, this um. Series that we've been doing on the Beatitudes, even though there's one more left, we're just not going to be able to get it in this time. Today, we're going to talk about uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, where it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be children of God, or they will be called or named children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. I was thinking about the Beatitudes uh, this week, and I was thinking, God, you know, it's been interesting because I know that people's hearts and minds are focused on so many other things. was this the right thing to do? You know, as a pastor, sometimes I lean into that and it's like, God, was this the right, is this what we should have been covering, you know? Uh, Because I know there's a lot more felt needs that we have. And as a pastor, like, I felt like maybe we could talk to those, those felt needs. But then I went back and I just started thinking, gosh, Jesus had every opportunity in the world to preach a different sermon than the one that he did to people who were feeling desperate, who were feeling cast out, who didn't know which way was up, they were so they were so kind of disorganized and disoriented. And Jesus starts off the best sermon, the, the most famous sermon in the whole world by laying out these beatitudes, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. So if they're important to him, I think they're important for us uh, to to embrace and think about what does it I think never before has there ever been this question that we should be asking right now is what does it look like to be the people of God? What does it look like to be people who look like our king in his kingdom? And that's what these beatitudes are all about because that is in question right now. Who are the people of God? What are we supposed to be like? And right here in this very last one that we're gonna cover, are the peacemakers, I think is a key one that I think we need to lean into because never before, at least in my lifetime, have we ever been in such a time lacking in peace. At least in my lifetime, maybe some of you have lived in more turbulent times, but for me I've never known a time in my life where there was less peace than there is at least right here on our soil and our country. I mean, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about contentions about should I wear a mask, should I not wear a mask? Should we vote this way or vote that way? Should should we speak out about this issue? Or should we not speak out about this issue? Should we support this organization or do we not support this organization? Should I go see my family or should I not go see my family? Should I support this candidate for this issue or should I support this candidate for for this issue? And that's just kind of like happening at a national scale, but it's not just national, it's happening in our homes. It's dividing families, it's dividing friendships. I mean, I bet for those of you on social media, sometime in the last six months, you have unfriended or unfollowed lots of people, or it has happened to you. I guarantee it. And that's just happening kind of at a big scale, but it's also happening at a small scale. Never before in in my lifetime have I seen buildings on fire. How about you? I mean, never before have we seen people being shot in the streets the way that we've seen it here in our lifetime. I mean, it is just incredible, the lack of peace Never before was there a need for the people of God to be peacemakers than there is in this moment in time. And this idea of peacemakers, it's actually a really interesting word. In the the Greek, which is what the New Testament is written in, the word peacemaker is typically used of emperors who use their power as emperors to go into an area where there's disorganization and chaos where there's usually local tribes fighting against one another. And the Roman emperor would come into that area and bring peace by ruling. So they would bring stability to a place. And so that was the word that was most commonly used. This person would be called a peacemaker because they brought the peace of Rome, the peace of the Roman empire to this region of this area. And so as we read this, we got to have that kind of in our minds. But behind it actually is is a much deeper thing which is the whole Hebrew kind of Israelite Jewish way of thinking about peace, which is the idea of shalom, the idea of the peace of God. And this idea of shalom, the peace of God actually is something that's really deep. And we could spend like months talking about what does shalom mean? Because it's one word, five letters that is actually so compact and dense because it has to do with everything on heaven and earth coming together as it should be. So there's no injustice, all, there's, no, there's no sickness, there's no disease, there is no warring between tribes or between people, there, there, it, it is all on earth as it is in heaven. Remember that prayer Jesus prays, let it be on earth as it is in heaven? That's the concept of shalom. And it happens at a micro level, shalom can happen at a micro level between people, between relationships. Or it can happen at the macro level. That was the heart and the hope of the prophets. Jeff was just reading from Haggai, this, the hope of the prophets that one day, the whole earth would be covered in God's shalom, that everything would be made right. But in order for that to happen, it has to happen at a micro level. And so the scriptures in the Old Testament will talk about peacemaking as this idea of two people being committed to having shalom between them. And so when Jesus talks about blessed are the peacemakers, he has both this Greek idea in mind and this Hebrew idea in mind of being a peacemaker, a person who is pursuing peace. Now this idea, it can sound like maybe on the surface, we just mean a a person who has a peaceful disposition. One commentator says this, that the idea that Jesus has here goes beyond a peaceful disposition describes a person who actively is seeking reconciliation with your own enemies and then bringing together others who are estranged from each other. So it's not just a peaceful person, but it's a person who actively pursues reconciliation between people. So at minimum, it means I don't do anything to harm other people and create a lack of peace. And at the best case scenarios, I'm actually pursuing peace. I'm actually doing things to bring reconciliation, and in the, in the in the especially in the Hebrew scriptures, they had this beautiful idea of how all of this fit together. So, in the in the Hebrew mind, if I am in tension with another person, I do something where I break peace. I do something I hurt. I hurt someone. I lie. I do something. It it does damage not to just the two of us. It actually puts peace and uh, puts a lack of peace or a division within our families. So now it's not just between one person and another person, it actually puts division between families. And then that puts division within the community. And then when there's division within the community, it actually puts division within a region. And when it happens within a region, it actually happens within a nation. And when it happens within a nation, especially the nation of Israel, the people of God, if those people are divided, then there's no hope for the shalom of God to be on the earth. Because if the people of God who are supposed to bring the shalom of God are not actually doing that, then there's no hope for God's shalom to be in the whole earth. So it's so critically important for us to be reconciled to one another. It has global, universal implications. And so this is why so much of the Bible, the Old Testament, the commands take very seriously how we treat one another Because an infraction against you, a sin against you, a breaking of peace against you, is actually a breaking of peace against God and the whole world. It's a little different perspective on that, isn't it? We tend to think, well, I just do what I'm going to do, and it doesn't matter how it affects anybody else. If that spirit right there is all over our country all the time right now, that is the spirit of the day. What I do doesn't affect anyone else. So I just need to do what I'm going to do. It doesn't matter how it affects you. Well, according to God's word, it deeply affects not just you. It actually creates division in yourself when you hurt another person. When you break the image in the, the, of God in another person, when, you, when there's fraction and division between you, it hurts you, it hurts them. And then it hurts like this kind of this ripple effect all, all throughout creation. So at minimum, being a peacemaker means making sure I'm not fracturing, fracturing those relationships. But like I said, at best, we should be actually seeking in situations where there needs to be shalom or there needs to be peace. That's kind of this Hebrew idea, but that Greek sense, that sense of bringing authority. It's interesting. If you were a person reading this New Testament word for the first time, and you saw that word there, and you were from the Greek, the Roman world, what would come up for you is not necessarily this idea of shalom, but this idea of the emperor who brings peace to a region by using their power and their authority. That would be the image that comes to your mind. And I think the biblical writers use this intentionally because what does Jesus say about himself? All authority on heaven and earth have been given to me, right? Jesus comes and the authority that the father gives him in heaven and then he wars against the principalities and the powers of darkness. He goes after those oppressed with sin. He goes after the, the demons who, who are oppressing people. He goes after sickness. He goes after disease. He goes after uh, anywhere where there's kind of any, any uh, division that's unnecessary because of people in political or religious uh, positions of power oppressing other people. He goes after all of those things and the power and the authority that he has to be a person who brings peace Jesus himself is a peacemaker using the authority and the power of heaven. He just does it in an upside down way. He does it in meekness and he does it in humility. He doesn't use military might and power. He uses his death on a cross. That's ridiculous, guys. That's why the book of Colossians says that Jesus actually this great victory for us on the cross, leading in triumphal procession. All of those he conquered, and the image of him as the conquering king is the image of the one who is on the cross. He comes not just to, to wield political power like the people wanted him to do. He actually comes in meekness. He comes in humility. He does it in a way of love and brings peace. Do you realize how incredible it is that in the New Testament, we have Jews and Gentiles worshiping together? A lot of the conflicts and things that we read in the New Testament is because people who were diametrically opposed to one another now both confess that Jesus is Lord and worship together. They eat at the same table. It is absolutely ridiculous. I think they would look at some of the issues that we squibble about in the the church now and be like, are you guys kidding me? Like, I was just eating meat sacrificed to idols yesterday. And you guys are mad at each other because that person voted for someone? Stop it. I I mean, I'm serious. I think they would be like, come on, what are you guys doing? What about follow the way of love eagerly? Don't you understand? (laughs) Right? I, I feel like they would, they would implore us to say, Hey, if we figured this thing out, you guys can figure this thing out. You can be committed to peace too. And here's the thing as followers of Jesus, when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. His expectation of his followers is that we would be people who are peacemakers. And guess what? He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, therefore, you go. Jesus says in John chapter 20 that just as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. That's what he says to his disciples. Guess what that means? You have authority that God's given you to bring peace. Jesus has entrusted you with the peace of the world. Do you realize that? That's an insane amount of responsibility on our shoulders. And, and maybe that's like too big for you. Maybe that's like, I mean, no, it's too big for me. Like to think that, that God has entrusted me with bringing about peace on earth through what he's doing through my life. But maybe we just need to shrink it and think about my own sphere. How am I being a peacemaker in the relationships and in the, around the people that I have? How am I actively pursuing reconciliation? Or maybe a better question is, how am I not pursuing that? And, and Jesus is so clear because he says that the promise here, the promise, blessed are those who are peacemakers. Why? Because they will be called children of God. The promise here is that those who pursue making peace prove that they are like God. Not, not that we are divine, I don't mean that, but this is actually a, a way that the scripture talks about how we are of the same kind. So we are shown that we are the children of God because we do things that our father in heaven does. As his son, as his daughter, when you pursue peace, you reveal that God is your father, that Jesus is your Lord and your big brother and that the spirit is working within you. This is what Jesus says, like, how will the world know you? They'll know that you are my disciples by the way that you love, right? You could just as easily say, they'll know that you're my, my disciples by the way that you pursue peace. The way that you're actively pursuing peace. This is an incredible promise, an honor to have this title. I mean, it's something that's kind of lost on us. Uh, this this title of actually in in the Greek, it actually says sons of God. It has a much more kind of strict meaning than what we might think about it. But this would have been a title of honor that actually uh, no one should claim unless God himself says it. But Jesus says, this is how you'll know whether or not you truly are my sons or my daughters. You'll know it by the way that you pursue peace while you go about making peace. Now, Being a peacemaker doesn't always mean that you're making everything harmonious right in front of you. A lot of times when we think about this idea of peace, uh, making peace, we think about uh, the feeling of peace. And while I think that that might be the end game in this, it's not our starting place. Actually, when a person really tries to bring peace to a place where there's no peace, it's often disruptive. I want you to think about that for a second. When a person tries to bring peace to a situation where there's no peace, it's often disruptive. It often comes against pseudo peace. Something that looks like peace, but isn't actually peace. It's that passive aggressive thing where we're not actually saying what we need to say to get to a point of deep connection with one another. Jesus is not interested in that kind of peace. Peace. That's not the kind of peacemaking he's talking about. Hey, everyone, just sit around and kumbaya. He's like, no, this is hearts reconciled to each other. This is authenticity. This is pursuing where we are truly reconciled to one another. And so this, peace, this peacemaking can kind of be disruptive. You know, when people are not at peace with one another, it's usually because there's a misunderstanding there's some kind of misunderstanding. There's two people, and they just don't see this. They don't see things the same. And so, if you come as a peacemaker and try to help sort that situation out, chances are one or both are going to be mad at you because there's, they're entrenched in the way that they see things. Anyone have this before? We've tried to come alongside and help to bring peace to a situation. Someone says, "Hey, can you help me out? This help me sort this thing out." And then you go and you into it, and it's like, "Oh no, this thing just got more messy." right? Well, sometimes that's just because we do it in a dumb way. (laughs) Let's just be honest. Like sometimes because we just don't handle it the right way. But a lot of times it's because people just, there's a reason why there's a lack of peace and we have to disrupt what's there in order to get to actually the thing of peace. Oftentimes, true, uh, uh, it's also true, that's not just uh, misunderstanding, but intentional wrongdoing, where someone is intentionally doing something to harm another person. And if you come as a peacemaker and try to bring healing to that, guess what? They're not going to be happy with you. So the A21 stuff, coming against human trafficking, guess what? Someone is benefiting financially, materially, all of those ways from oppressing and using other people. So if you come and you want to try to help those people that are in that situation— you're going to be met with opposition because someone is benefiting from that, right? So making peace often looks like you got to enter into a fight. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to actually break up a fight before, but it's a, a little bit of a scary situation. I, I don't know why, but I was just reflecting as I was done this. Over the last probably three or four years, I, I don't, I, this just follows me. I don't know why. I've been involved in breaking up at least five fights in local bars here in Wakanda. Uh, or when I was with Ish and John a while back ago, we were at a concert and two people started going fisticuffs. And I was like, well, somebody's got to do something. So I'm literally jumping in and pulling people off. it was a little, uh, a little unnerving. John and, uh, and Ish came looking for him, to make sure I was okay. And I'm just like, you know, hey, what, what are we going to do? We got to help. It was a little scary. Like sometimes you're going to have to get your hands dirty. Like sometimes you're going to have to actually enter into the fight in a way that's a little unnerving if you want to see peace brought that's different than peacekeeping. Peacekeeping says, I want everyone to stay the way it is. I don't want anything to be disrupted. That's not the kind of shalom that God's trying to bring. That's not the kind of reconciliation that God is trying to bring. So we have to be willing both for ourselves to accept the disruptive peace that God wants to bring into our lives, brings us to a true place of peace, we have to be willing to receive that on our own and we have to be willing to step into other people. Look, my salvation story is messy. How about yours? God brought incredible peace into my life, but as he brought his peace, it has been incredibly disruptive to everything in my life that pushes against the peace that he wants me to, wants to have in my life. How about you? There are things that I have faced in my life where God says, I love you and because I love you, I won't stand for that destroying you anymore. I want you to hear that because I think somebody needs to hear it. God loves you enough to, to disrupt your life to say that thing right there in your life I got, we got to deal with this because it's actually not allowing you to be at peace the way I want you to be at peace. And so I am the peacemaker. So I am going to step into your life and I am going to bring disruption to this thing. That's actually causing you disintegration. That's actually causing you disruption in your life. That's causing you to actually have division with other people. Jesus is a disruptive force in our life. I love the picture of Jesus as the, as the happy guru who like walks around just like spreading peace everywhere. But if you ever followed Jesus through the Gospels, it's messy. He's offending people left and right. He's not offending them because he's a jerk. (laughs) He's offending them because he's actually trying to bring the Gospel, the good news to people, and not everybody wants to hear it. Sometimes I just don't want to hear it, if I'm being honest. Come on, lean in with me and be honest for a minute. It's just easier to be entrenched in the things that that make life work for me. Until all of a sudden they're not. And then God's right there with us. He says, Hey, let's pick up the pieces here and put it back together. So peacemaking again can be disruptive. As a matter of fact, Jesus says in a really cryptic statement in Matthew chapter 10, he says, I came not to bring peace, but to bring the sword. That's an interesting statement. Here's Jesus saying, blessed are the peacemakers. But then about himself, he says, I didn't come to bring peace. I actually come to bring the sword. Now, Jesus clearly isn't a violent person. Every step of the way, Jesus is turning away opportunities to be violent. He's turning his disciples away from violence every every step of the way. So what is he meaning here? It's that idea that sometimes when you're bringing peace, it will be disruptive. It will turn things upside, upside down. When you truly are bringing peace, it will, it will be disruptive. When you shine a light or a bright light on something, sometimes you see it's imperfections. And when Jesus comes in all of his goodness and all of his glory, it, it exposes the evil that was there. It exposes what is, what is in us, the divisions that are among us. It exposes it. So Jesus isn't saying like, I actually want for there to be divisions. He's saying, when I come to bring peace, it brings out the best in some people and it brings out the worst in others. And we can see this in the different reactions to Jesus. Don't forget Jesus was murdered. We sometimes we put religious symbolism around it and we can miss the fact that Jesus was murdered because of how out- outspoken he was. He ruffled the feathers of everybody that was around him. No one could nail him down. Jesus take our side. Jesus is like nope. How about this? <laughs> Jesus, take our side. Nope, how about this? And so as a result, guess what? There's no one there to defend him when he's on trial. He stands alone. I think there's something really unique about that. I think there's something really special we should actually lean in and think about. When we want Jesus to take a side on an issue, whether it's like between me and my wife, whether it's this big political thing, I think Jesus says, no, I will not let you co-opt my agenda whether it's the healing of a relationship or whether it's the healing of the nations. Jesus is king and he is the one bringing peace. And so what we have to do is say, Jesus, what is the peace that you want to bring and how can I help you bring it? How can I be a person who brings shalom into my kid's life, into my marriage, into my neighborhood, into, into the way that I interact with people on social media, into the way that I vote? It does it, It's all a part of one thing that God's doing. And right now, we as the people of God, the followers of Jesus need to lean in even more and say, Jesus, am I being a peacemaker? Am I being a person who's pursuing the shalom of God in my life and in the sphere around me and on this earth? Am I being a person who's leaning in to the shalom of God? We can't afford to be indifferent. We can't afford it. The world needs it. Jesus is still the prince of peace, even though the peace he brings is disruptive. And when he brings his peace, it often exposes the shallowness of the lies that we believe. It shows the, the shallowness of, of, of our love. It shows us the intentions of our heart. But ultimately, if we're willing to lean in and experience the peace that he wants to bring us personally and around us, it will awaken us to a greater sense of purpose on earth. Jesus came not just to bring peace in a general sense, but to actually restore heaven to earth. God and man in one person walking on earth. To reconcile things, all things, under one head, which is Jesus. To bring heaven and earth together through this one person. One, to bring healing, to bring the healing of the nations through his own life, through his death, and through his resurrection. Through the blood of Jesus, we are reconciled to God. We were once enemies, but now we are now friends and sons and daughters. That is the ultimate peace, Right? And as people who have experienced that peace of God, we get to participate in the peace, the shalom of God around us. That should excite us. We should be on the front lines of any division saying, hey, we're just here to bring the peace of God here. We're just here to proclaim the good news that Jesus loves you and he's reconciling all things through himself right now. I am a testament to it. God has done it in my life. And because he's done it in my life, I know he can do it for you. We should be right there in the front lines, declaring the reconciling, peacemaking love of God. That is your purpose. I don't know if you know it or not, but you are a peacemaker. You are a minister of reconciliation, Paul says. That's who you are. He has written it into your heart to make peace. He has written it into your heart to take, to step into situations where there are division and to bring unity, to bring it all under the lordship of Jesus. So think about your family. You are sent to your family to bring healing, to bring peace. Think about your neighborhood. Your, you, God knew where you would live. He put you next to your neighbor's. You are the peacemaker in your neighborhood, not someone else, not people three house down. You. You are the peacemaker in your marriage. Stop waiting on your husband or your wife to do it. You do it. You are the peacemaker in your relationship with your kids, the relationship with your parents. You do it. You do it. You are the peacemaker in our community. Oh guys, I wish that we could capture this vision. Worship team, you guys can come on. So what does it take to be a peacemaker? What does it take to actually do this? What, is it, what does it actually look like to be a peacemaker? Well, that's a longer conversation. I wish we, I wish we had more time to, to discuss it. But here, let me give you a couple quick things. First, be at peace with God yourself. Receive the peace that Jesus wants to give you in his grace and his love. Are you in a place in your life where you recognize that God loves you and his grace is shining towards you, that his face is turned toward you already, that you don't have to do anything to get him to love you, and that he desires for you to experience peace where you're feeling anxiety, where you are feeling worry, where you feel a lack of hope? These are things that God wants to give you as a gift. Not that you have to drum up yourself. That should be really, really encouraging, guys. So are you experiencing the peace of God in your life? That's the first place to start with it. If I'm feeling disrupted and I'm not feeling peace with God in my own heart, it's going to be very difficult for me to be a true peacemaker in the world. There are lots of people trying to pursue avenues of peace in the world without being at peace with God. It's trying to have the kingdom without the king and it will never work. It won't work. But we get to do that. We get to be at peace with God. We get to bring the king and his kingdom. So first, be at peace with God yourself. And if you don't know what that means, simply, maybe you haven't heard this in a long time or maybe you've never heard it before. Jesus loves you. God sent his only son to become like you. To demonstrate his love for you and his life and his death and his resurrection. And if you turn and you put your trust and your faith in him and say, Jesus, I know that I know who you are. I believe that you are the son of God. If you put your faith and your trust in him, say, I know that you can cover every sin in my life, every imperfection. I know that you can do that. And I give you my life. Guess what? You'll be at peace with God. Just heard a story last night from a, if you had a chance to watch the Brooke uh, in the Encounter More conference, she was sharing last night how she came to faith. And she shares a simple story that she at fifteen years old, she was just kind of uh, had these questions about God that was just she didn't know what to do with. And so one day she just picked up a Bible who it was a gift and without any prior knowledge whatsoever of God, opens up her Bible and reads, that Jesus loves her and has died for her sins and that she can be saved and immediately with faith, puts her trust and her faith in Jesus and becomes a follower of Jesus at 15 without anybody guiding her into that. This is a supernatural thing that happens in our heart that God can do, only God can do. You can't produce that in another person. You can't even drum that up yourself. It's only because God's spirit is drawing you. And I'm telling you right now, he is wooing you. He's drawing you to himself. So be at peace with God. Secondly, we've got to live with the hope of shalom in our hearts. People who are committed to peace are people who know that God can do what he said he will do. People know what the end of the story is. We know that God will one day reconcile all things. And because we know that that's true, we know that there is no situation that is without hope that we can step into that every situation has some hopeful outcome. We may not be able to see it. We may not be able to perceive it. We may not even be able to experience it in this life, but every single situation, we know that somehow God will make it new. He's either making all things new or he's not. I believe he is. And so there's no situation that I can face where I don't have hope. Now, sometimes I have to fight for that hope Sometimes I have to remind myself of the promises of God. Sometimes I have to remind myself of those things. I have to really get into that place where I'm like, yeah, that's right, God, you're good. I know that you've been there before. I know that you'll be there again. I have to get myself to that place. But once I'm there, I'm able to bring peace into situations where there is no peace. And right now, the world needs people of relentless hope. The world needs people of relentless hope. He needs you to be people of ridiculous, audacious kind of hope who will be willing to say, yeah, I know it seems really bad and I'm not here to act like it's not bad, but I am here to tell you that my God saves, my God delivers, and he will bring peace. And the last thing is we've got to have the courage to step out in faith, to be peacemakers. Guys, being a peacemaker takes a little bit of courage. To step into a situation, it can't just be about hope. You actually have to have a little bit of courage to actually step into the thing that God wants you. It's gonna take some courage sometimes to confront where there is a lack of peace. It's gonna take some courage to, to confront the spiritual powers and principalities that are standing behind all of that. And I wanna be really clear here. When we're talking about pursuing peace, we're not seeing people at the enemy, we're seeing the enemy behind the people. Do you hear what I'm saying? people are not the enemy. Jesus makes it so clear. The thing that we're making, we want every person on heaven and earth to experience peace, and because of that, we're going behind them. We're going to the enemy that's trying to bring ruin and disruption. That's what we're trying to do. And that's going to take some courage. It's going to have it's going to take some courage to have that difficult conversation with the family member or a friend. It's going to take courage to let go of the pseudo-peace that you've been experiencing stepping into real peace. It's going to take courage to face our own stuff, to actually repent of where we're not spreading peace, where we're not being peacemakers. It's going to take some courage in our hearts to admit where we are not pursuing God's heart about making peace, to, to face it, to ask for forgiveness, for things that we've done wrong, for for words left unspoken when we should have said something. I'm just listening. I'm just trying to hear what God's saying right now. Some of you know that you need to revisit conversations where you should have been a peacemaker and you didn't. Where you should have spoke up and you didn't say something. You're going to have to go back and revisit conversations like that. Maybe it was around a racial issue. Someone told a joke and maybe you didn't laugh, but, but, but maybe you, you didn't put it in its place and say, that's not right and, I won't, and we're not going to do that around me. We don't want to just be people who passively are around situations of peace. We want people who go into situations that need peace and bring peace. And maybe there's even situations in your life where you have experienced division. You have been the target of something negative or bad in your life. And maybe now you're like, God, I need you, to, to, I need you to, to heal this thing. There's been a lack of peace in my life. I've been on the, I've been on the other side of this thing where, where someone has done something wrong to me. They've done some evil to me. And maybe you're in that position. And in that position, maybe you need to just say, God, I need some healing here. I need to know how you were with me. I need to know what you were doing. So as we get ready to, to close here, I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a second. And I want you to ask the Lord what he's saying to you right now about being a peacemaker. Is there any situation, is there any specific thing that God's alerting your attention to, alerting your mind to? Is there anything he's asking you to do or maybe it's something to not do? I just want to ask you right now to resolve in your heart to be obedient and to do the thing that God's asking you to do. Lord, would you just reveal right now any situations that are in our hearts where you're awaking us to be being peacemakers. I pray, Lord, that it would start with the simplicity of our relationships and, the, and our sphere of influence. And I pray, Lord, that it would spread beyond that to our neighbors, to our families, to our community. Lord, and let the people of God be the peacemakers that our country and the globe needs in this moment in time. Let us bring peace. I ask us in your name. Amen. We hope that you are encouraged by this week's sermon. For more information, visit us at our website, www.fusionchurch.com, or you could find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great week.